Welcome to Sportsman of Colorado, Colorado's premier outdoor radio show heard every Saturday afternoon on KLZ 560 with insights on hunting, fishing, archery, guns, and ammo from Colorado's top outfitters featuring the industry's leading experts on how to enhance your experience in the great outdoors. Now, here's your host, Scott Watley. Good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of Sportsman of Colorado. I am not Scott Watley. We have Scott out on uh, assignment. He's in Africa. He's in Africa helping a, a family member. As, as uh, many of you may know, he had a sort of a family tragedy earlier this year, and, and he's uh, actually helping his, his sister died. And her husband is uh, hunting in Africa, and he went over there with, with him uh, to go to... Uh, do what you do in Africa. And so if anybody goes to Faces uh, or Scott's Facebook page, you'll see all of their fun activities this week. But that leaves me uh, to my own devices, and when that happens, that means we have a fishing show. And so I have Austin Parr in the studio today, and we're going to talk about all, all different types of fishing throughout Colorado and, and what's going on right now and sort of what we can look forward to into the fall. Um, so how are you, Austin? Doing great, Kevin. Thanks for having me. Good. And, of course, Austin is from Discount Tackle, on uh, essentially Santa Fe between Hamden and Evans. Yep, kind of right in between Dartmouth and Evans yeah. to, to get it dialed in. That's even better. And it's on the west side, so you have to be going southbound to get to the to the uh, shop. Yeah, you can access it from the backside, too, off of Platte River Drive. A lot of that's people right. don't realize that, so that's a good way if you're coming from the south end. I never thought about that. Absolutely. You'd think I'd know that. <laughs> um, at any rate, so let's talk about a little bit about what's going on at the shop uh, and what, what anything exciting going on there right now. You know, it's it's been a good, solid summer for us down there. You know, with, with all this water that we've been having, uh, fishing has been fantastic, is continuing to be, which we'll certainly be talking about here in a minute. But, you know, the sales have been good for us down there, and guiding has been been fantastic uh, for that matter as well. Good. So now you were, you were doing a little bit less guiding this season, right, and a little bit more managing of the shop. Yep. And, um, and so there's probably been some changes in the shop, too, because you, you were real excited about doing some new things. Absolutely. You know, we're, we're constantly trying to add new product down there, but we're really focusing on, you know, regional tackle selections down there with me guiding and me being out on the water so much, not only fly fishing, but conventional fishing wise, certainly as well. You know, we're trying to add that tackle that, that customers are, are looking for. So, you know, that stuff that you go out to the big box stores and they don't have it or they're out of it or, you know, it's, you get a real hot item that, that gets hot and they don't realize it until later. Right. I can act on that a lot faster down there at the store. So I can have all the selections of all the stuff we'll be talking about today and all kinds of other stuff as well. The really cool thing about the shop is you go in there, whether Austin's there or one of the other guys, you all fish. Absolutely. And you're all out almost every day. So, I mean, you have a good sense of what's going on with all of the different species and all the different water that's in Colorado. Yeah, not only for our, from our personal experience recently, but, you know, we get so many sweet reports down there as well that we can, you know, help incorporate those reports into our own experience. And, and you know, the thing we really like to wind up doing is, you know, really helping people catch more fish. You know, I was, uh, you know, had a, a great impression from from Bob Hicks at All Pro Fishing Sport back in the day, if anybody remembers that. Bob's shop is not there anymore, but he, you know, for from my dad and myself, you know, way back in the, the late 19 uh 1990s and way, and, way, back, uh, way back now yeah it seems like it's it's you know it's closing on 20 years now all right. of a sudden but i mean it's uh you know he he was always so good about 
helping and and really trying to to point people in the right direction. That's something that I'm trying to continue now that I have uh, the reins. Right, and that's really what we're talking about. This show and whenever you're guiding and whenever you have people come into the shop is trying to help them learn something so that they can be better at what they really love to do. Absolutely. You know, it's certainly about selling stuff for us at the shop. You know, we wouldn't be there and, and there for 20 years uh, if if it was not. But, you know, we really try and, and give the, the proper information and, and really the best advice we possibly can to, to help people come in and, and catch more fish when they're out on the water. All right. So if, if you want to get a hold of the guys at Discount Tackle, the phone number is 303-698-2550. Obviously, stop in the shop. But you can always call and get some advice if you're going somewhere and just not sure what to do. Absolutely. You know, we, we get phone calls asking about reports all the time. We love to, to wind up helping everybody out with those. Well, let's talk about what's going on. We're gonna, we, we sort of took a, a bottom up the last time you were on, talking about the stuff in the front range and sort of the plains and then worked our way up the mountains. Let's start up in the mountains now uh, and tell me what you, you're seeing relating to conditions and what's going on. I tell you what, high country fishing this year is, has been really good. You know, it has been a little bit more slow to develop than a lot of years. You know, the runoff, we had big water up yeah. there this wintertime. But instead of having, you know, a big, long, uh, you know, excuse me, a, a real fast runoff right, right there, we had a long, drawn-out runoff where we've seen high flows for a while. Well, it was really interesting. It seemed like early on we had a good melt, yep. March into April, and then it just sort of plateaued and didn't do a whole lot until middle of June. Exactly. And then all of a sudden, you know, a lot of it came down and we're still dealing with some of that right now, especially with some of these range, you know, we're looking out the window right now at the, at the mountains and right. seeing a little bit of haze out there. Uh, you know, certainly they're talking about some more weather for the high country right now, which, you know, is not necessarily a bad thing. Obviously we'll never, never turn down water in this state, but, right. um, the, the rivers have been, you know, they're starting to come down and they're, they're very fishable right now. So whether or not you're, you're looking to fish some smaller creeks or high mountain lakes up top, you know, we'll get into some of this here in a minute, but you know, the, along with those smaller stuff, all the way to the, the bigger bodies of water. It's it's fishing well up there right now. So what have you heard about uh, all of the snow and ice is off, obviously. Yep. And um, what have you heard about, you know, if, if a guy or gal wants to hike in Indian Peaks sure. or any of the high mountain lakes that, that are producing, what are they doing? to catch fish. So, you know, we'll start off at the high mountain lakes. So I like that idea. So, um, you know, moving into when, when you're fishing up in the high country like that, these fish have a very small window that they're really able to feed aggressively. So right now we're in that window. It's, it's warm. You know, you have open water, obviously, and lots of insect activity. So a lot of times when I like to approach that, I like to start off with terrestrials. So if I'm walking the bank, particularly if you have a day where you have nice high sunshine without a lot of wind, especially if you get out there in the earlier part of the day, a lot of times you can get this, this bite a little bit better, but you can walk this shoreline looking for cruising cutthroats and brook trout cast a, a lead hopper and then trail a little parachute ant down yep. below and it's about as deadly as you can wind up getting you can pick off pick off cutthroat all day long doing that what's also interesting about that particular so early morning so you've got virtually no wind yep good pair of sunglasses absolutely it's really crucial. important really important because remember these these trout are they're cruising they're not mm -hmm. stationary like a pot of walleyes or anything else. No, there. and then, you know, approaching from the proper angle is also crucial. So, you know, if you, you want to always try and get, I, I like the sun behind me, but you have to be careful because if it's too far behind you and you have your shadow, it, it's tough. But if right. you get onto the wrong side, you get a bad glare and you can't see these fish. And you're when you can actually sight fish them, your production rate goes up 
drastically for those cutthroats. But, you know, sometimes you do get some wind or, or some cloud cover or, you know, the sun's not right up there. So then you can wind up going. And I like stripping streamers. You can locate good good numbers of fish and, and move fast. And that always works right. really well. You know, if you're a conventional angler out there, a fly in a bubble is a fantastic way to go as well. And you can make long casts, work the shorelines, yep. get way away from you and and sneak up on those fish with just a cast. We were uh, we were on Jefferson Lake a few weeks ago, and that's a nice impoundment. And yep. same so they stocked that with a bunch of rainbows in it and a um, bunch of uh, bait fishermen that were around shore. Sure. And so we showed up. It was mid-morning. And what I did is I got onto as, as high a place as I could yep. and then just started w- looking for cruiser, cruising fish. Found some of those, but I also saw that there was a line sort of in the depth range. Oh, yeah. And uh, put on a black leech and just threw it out there and let it settle. And I started fish coming up from, yep. from the depths. And, and that's so, same thing on any of those other high al- right. alpine lakes as well. And so what ended up happening, I started catching fish. And, of course, all the folks that are on using the bait started moving closer and closer because <laughs> they think all the fish are near where I am. And yep. that's, that's not the case. It's I mean, not. they just weren't using the right thing. And so I had this conversation, just like we are today, about, listen, this is what's going on. Yep. And, um, and so tried to see, if, you know, you got a bubble, you got something that looks like this, you know, look for the demarcation in the, in the depths and those sorts of things. And those are the sorts of details that make a difference in these sorts of high mountain lakes. They really do, you know, and, and trout species, they don't relate to structure as much as walleyes or, or bass do. They're more pelagic uh, where they're just going to be kind of cruising, but still there's certain things that, that wind up concentrating them. So a drop-off right. or, you know, especially when you're talking about these high hike in alpine lakes, there's a lot of times inlets that are coming into there, and especially now that the cutthroats are pretty much done spawning, that will still congregate them, but it's, you know, you, you don't have to worry about spawning fish up in an inlet area, but also if you have any kind of weed edge or anything, you know, even some, you know, I've always found that cutthroat like to they, they'll, they'll congregate around fallen trees and a lot of times you'll come working down the bank and you'll have a you know big pine tree that drops right in and a lot of times you can pick off a couple fish basically it just acts those fish are just cruising down the bank and it just acts as a break and it just stops them and holds them there for a second and a lot of times that is a great way to great place to start especially if you're not sight fishing too right and when you say you're under the bank you're not in the water you're standing on the bank many looking. times yeah i mean waiting when you're in the high alpine lakes it it's it, it hurts you in a couple of ways. So one, it, it reduces your angle. So you're, you're not able to see as well. Being up at a higher rock or up on the shoreline, you can see much better. But also those trout know exactly what their ecosystem should be. And when all of a sudden you have something cruising through the water, they don't want to be there anymore. And therefore you'll... You know, you, you think you're in a better angle for catching some of these fish, but you're really not. Yeah, and you spook them so easily. Yep. I mean, they, as much as they may not get as much pressure as, let's say, uh, a bass down in the metro area, they still understand that there's prey out there. And they're them. not used to that pressure. So, you know, you talk about Chapville or Cherry Creek like we will in a little bit. And yesterday we were having boat traffic running everywhere out there, and we're catching fish right out of the boat wakes. <laughs> so, but that certainly does not happen um, up in the high country. So, uh, before we take a break, let's talk about sort of the gear that you need um, for these sorts of presentations, yes. the delicate presentations in the, in the early morning hours to begin with, with the certainly. dragonflies. So, you know, a lot of people like going up to the high alpine lake and, and fishing, you know, a two or a three weight rod. And that's certainly nice if you're fishing dry flies. But I like a four or a five weight a lot of times because it still allows me to fish those dries. And if you start getting some wind or, or any kind of stuff and you want to cast a little bit further, have a little bit more punch with a streamer, certainly a four or a five weight does better. But right. then also on a spinning rod, uh, not going super ultralight is what I typically recommend. So anywhere between a light power fast action or a medium light power fast action in about a six and a half foot or a seven foot rod works but then also the type of line really matters too having some kind of fine super line to be able to make those long casts can be really crucial and and when you talk about the length of the rods these days think longer than shorter 
a lot of times. And I mean, it gets can certainly get excessive, but getting that little short ultralight, unless you're in the absolute brushiest, smallest stream possible, it really winds up hurting you over the long run. Right. So somewhere in between a six and a seven foot rod is pretty ideal for that high alpine stuff. That's what I found too. It's just the shorter rods. I mean, certainly if you're catching little brook trout and little bitty uh, oh, yeah. beaver ponds, I can understand that. But when yep. you get on a little bit bigger lake, a little bit, it's just, it's just your margin for error is so much larger in the sense of you don't, you don't have to be as quick on the uh, on the set, and it gives you more range to... And it's to, just more comfortable to fish yeah. with. I mean, having those short rods really handicaps you. So what, four or six-pound tests, something like that? You or? could go that way if you're going fluorocarbon or monofilament, but I like going with a super line. So my absolute favorite is called Seaguar Konzin braid. And that braid's a four-carrier braid, which means there's four individual strands that are braided together to be able to create one braided line. Yeah. And a 10-pound test Seaguar Konzin braid is the equivalent to a one-half-pound mono so that wow. stuff is like spider webs and it casts absolutely forever so you can put a little thin leader on that with some you know four pound fluorocarbon and you can make casts with light lures like you've never seen with monofilament or fluorocarbon and all my guide stuff for walleyes and smallmouth even all have the same same line it doesn't stretch and there's also no memory to it so you don't ever have that accordion look as you right. wind up casting out which reduces casting distance for one but also feel you have that that big spring on there and you're not able to feel those light bites all right, so we're going to take a break right now. Uh, when we come back, let's talk a little bit about the rivers. So we've talked about the lakes. Let's talk about the rivers as we, we work our way down the mountains and uh, talk about the current uh, situation. You're listening to Sportsman of Colorado. At Lone Tree Veterinary Medical Center, we believe that all pets deserve to have a good life. And because we know that your pet will have many different needs throughout its life, we offer complete pet care services every day, all at one location. Whether your furry friend needs a checkup, advanced medical care, surgery, boarding, grooming, obedience training, food, care products, or toys, we are here for your pet seven days a week. At Lone Tree Veterinary Medical Center, we know that you want the very best for your pet, which is why you can count on us to provide top-notch care in everything we do. We are certified with the highest rankings by the American Animal Hospital Association, and hold a gold star rating with the Better Business Bureau. You and your pet can visit us Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m., Saturday from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., and Sunday from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. We are located at 8681 East Lincoln Avenue in Lone Tree. Learn more about us by visiting our website at LoneTreeVet.com or just give us a call at 303-708-8050. In a flash from out of nowhere, your whole life can change forever. It happened so quickly, nobody saw it coming. Soon the medical bills will be arriving. Will insurance cover your injuries? Does the other driver have assets? Should I sue? It was his fault after all. After an accident, you need to call the law offices of Flesh Law. Flesh Law will never settle until you are fully compensated for your injuries. Call 303-806-8886 for the Flesh Law Firm. 303-806-8886. Eight 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 six. Online, go to fleshlawfirm.com. Fleshlaw, the trial-tested, trial-ready attorneys. Tired of walking into gun stores and seeing the same guns everywhere you go? Check out our sponsor, Old Steel Historical Firearms. Hi, this is Scott Watley of Sportsman of Colorado. At Old Steel, they specialize in the purchase and sale of historical firearms. Need to get your firearm collection appraised? They can help. Buy, sell, trade, and consignments are welcome at Old Steel. 
Open 10 to 6, Monday through Saturday. Old Steel Historical Firearms is located at 12 East Gerard Avenue in Inglewood. That's just two blocks north of Hamden, off Broadway. Now you can own a piece of history at Old Steel Historical Firearms. Call 720-662-7252. That's 720-662-7252. Check out their website, oldsteelguns.com. Hi, Dan Johnson, General Manager at Lynn Lyle Chevrolet. You know, I hear it all the time. If you give me a good enough deal, I'll buy your vehicle. So here it is. A 2017 Crew Cab 4x4 loaded for up to $11,000 off MSRP. Or how about a 2017 Chevy Cruze sign and drive lease for only $1.99 a month? Heck, that's cheaper than a used car. And we'll pay top dollar for your trade-in. So go east and pay the lease. Lynn Lyle Chevrolet I-225 in East Colfax or on the web at lynnlylechevy.com. Chevy, find new roads. Rush to Reason with John Rush, weekdays from 3 to 7 on KLZ 560. Welcome back to Sportsman of Colorado. Uh, once again, we're it's a fishing, fishing show, fishing all the time, the whole hour. We're fishing and, and the things that are going on within Colorado. Did want to mention a couple of things, though, for future shows and also a couple of sponsors that uh, have events coming up. So we're going to be doing an open house with Phoenix Weaponry uh, coming up on August 26th. Um, they're actually going to have the open house from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Uh, Drive Radio and John Rush will be there live from uh, 10 to 1 on that particular day on August 26th. We're going to be doing a live show there as well from 1 to 2. Great event. Austin, have you been up to Phoenix Rep? You know, I haven't. I, I've been meaning to get over there, but I haven't been able to. you got to get up there and see his shop. It's really cool when you can actually see what they do, and they're making the stuff right there and all of the different... Uh, just, it's wild to see that you take, you know, a piece of metal, and it comes out as either a silencer or something else or some sort of weapon. Sweet. Uh, it, it is really cool. Speaking of that, I... I uh, same sort of deal talking about fishing. I went over to Ross Reels in uh, Montrose this spring and, and toured their facility. And the same thing. You start Isn't that out fantastic? With, it's pretty cool because you start out with a, a basically a puck of aluminum, and yep. then they grind it down into a, a fishing reel. I mean, who'd ever think? Yeah, we had a gentleman the other day. You know, I Ross Reels is, is fantastic for us down at the shop, but there was a spool that wasn't even in production anymore, and I called them and said, hey, can you make this? And they made it and got it to me in three days. So they just sat there and machined the whole thing. It is really interesting. So I got a tour of the facility. Great guys and, and great folks working there. Um, really interesting, though, because I saw where they have all of their returns come in. Yep. Um, nobody actually knows what our lovely, glorious studio looks like. <laughs> but um, it's about, you know, she's basically in a cubby because they yep. don't have a whole lot of nope. returns and things. Um, and it's one gal that takes care of all of their returns. And uh, it's like Grand Central, different reels. Like you said, you could have something that's 25 years old, and they're going to try to figure it out to Absolutely. Make it work. And uh, th they've got some really good products, and I've done some reviews on some of their stuff. And so a shout-out to Ross Reels over in Montrose. I Hopefully they're doing well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so at any rate, so uh, we were talking about before the break, we were talking about uh, high mountain lakes and, and moving down then. You know, let's talk about those tributaries from those high mountain lakes, the small streams and other things, and how, how people can, uh, can fish those this time of year now that all the snow has been gone, and those flows are down pretty good, too. They really are. You know, those small stream fisheries are absolutely one of my favorites to fish all year long. You know, I guide, and I'm out of my boat all the time, and people say, well, how can you go up and fish for these tiny little trout up in these streams? But it just, it's so much fun for me, and I, I love to get up there. But, you know, all these small, these, these, when you have these streams, there, these fish are sitting in these small pockets. Right. So you're not dealing with big holes like you're going to be accustomed to in, in the South Platte or the Eagle or anything like that, but they'll be in these little pockets.
that's behind rocks and small seams. And, and the best way to break those down is by the means of dry dropper. Yeah. So, you know, a couple of the top drives we really like, uh, a yellow stimulator or a yellow humpy up top. And, you know, anywhere from on the humpy side of things, 14 or 16, or even on the stimmies going up as, as big as 10 or 12. But having that as a lead fly, hoppers certainly work well for that as well. But then as you slide down, uh, you're going to be trying to imitate what's actively um, living in the river. So I like small black mayfly nymphs. Black copper johns work fantastic for that. But then there's also a lot of PMDs and caddis. So a small cased caddis or a little beadhead uh, split case PMD is also a great way to go. And separating those flies by about 18 inches works Fantastic. Yeah, and so that's that's pretty much throughout the summer you're going to be able to use that. Absolutely. Because those hatches are going on on a daily basis. Almost until ice on, to be honest with you. I mean, once it starts getting really cold, uh, that kind of ends. But right now, through the entire month of August here and in through the late part of September, uh, you can pick off all those small stream fish. And, you know, those small streams don't have to be high up in the mountains either. You know, Bear Creek and Clear Creek are absolutely fantastic options. And, you know, the high water, like we were talking about earlier, has really helped those fisheries to be uh, good this time of year. So, you know, in, in previous years, when we've dealt with the, the really hot summers without any water, Bear Creek's had uh, both voluntary and full-scale fishing closures up right. there to try and protect those fish because the water temperature was too high. Well, right now we're dealing with a lot more water that's nice and cold, so those fisheries are very prolific right now, and uh, that small dry dropper combination can absolutely pick apart those fish up there. So the other thing that I noticed, so again, I was up uh, near Jefferson Lake. The, what comes out of Jefferson Lake is Michigan Creek. Yes. That, that flows into the South Park. So I fished Michigan Creek down below there as well. Um, and uh, I took my spinning rod. Yep. So we haven't talked about the spinning rod aspect in those situations. Yep. So same thing. So this was real marshy, just pockets. Uh, Bushy on big, Jefferson Creek there. Big, yes. <laughs> big, big beaver, beaver dams, uh, holes. And I was wet waiting because it was, sure. it, well, a, a whole nother story, but yes. I was wet waiting, um, so the water was still pretty cold, but I was able to do that because of the, the time of the year, obviously, and um, I started out with Panther Martin, sure. sort of a go-to direct line spinner, and the fish just weren't that interested. Yep. It was interesting, because I would have a fish here or there, but that particular, so then I put on a, uh, a gold, a small gold cast master. Yep. And started jigging that in the deeper holes and just Got lights it. out. You know, and, and certainly depending upon what river you have, sometimes that spinning rod can be really effective and sometimes a fly rod can. And, you know, that's something I always try and preach down at the shop is that, you know, it's not all about just fly fishing. It's not all about just conventional fishing. It's being well-rounded. Right. And when the situation presents itself where, say, a small pocket water stream, fly fishing is going to dominate conventional fishing all day long. But maybe you get into some of those deeper holes or certainly in a still water situation, there's times that the, the spinning rod is certainly going to be a lot better. Than and, the fly rod. and that particular situation, I just didn't bring the fly rod. Yep. I, I didn't have it. I brought the spring rod because it was only going to be out a little bit. Um, but the reason I did it, too, is because it was pretty tight. A lot of willows, Absolutely. you know, a little bit more difficult to, to throw a fly rod. And, and, and I just wanted to see how the spinning rod would go. Yeah. And for those guys that, you know, aren't real experienced with the fly rod, it's a great place to go take the spinning rod. And what I found is I think I caught some of the bigger fish in those pockets, too, because of the larger lure. And, I and, see that all the time. Yeah. You know, streamers and big jigs and big right. spinners, you know, big trout eat other trout. And even when you're in a small stream situation and that big trout might be a small trout overall, <laughs> he's still going to be a predator down in there. That's and he's going to be the, t the top predator. And he'll be eating other fish that are swimming by. So we were talking about small streams. So give me an example sort of within... Let's say let's say you're you're getting done with work yep. and you want to go fish for the evening. You know, you're done at five, you know you've got a couple hours. 
What do you recommend for, for going outside of the metro area to go do this sort of fishing? So there's basically really, if, you, if you're off and you have just a few hours, there's about you know, about four good fisheries to, to start with. And we'll start down south, and that being Waterton Canyon. So that's not as much of a small stream as it is, you know, a little bit bigger river. It's the South Platte flowing into Chatfield. If you have a mountain bike particularly, you can get up above the Marston Diversion. And in that area, there's certainly great pocket water fishing to go with your dry dropper up there. But then there's also some bigger and deeper holes. Right. And up there, San Juan worms historically have fished exceptionally well up there. But then you're going to also see your caddis and PMD hatches coming off. And as they're emerging up, throwing some RS2s or some split case PMD emergers, yep. even some some graphic caddis. And sm um, smaller sizes, I would assume. Generally, um, this time of year, though, you're on in all of your rivers, even your tailwaters, you're, you're getting... Um, um, you know, be better insect life than you do in the colder waters. So, I mean, I would still be, you know, focusing in on 14s and 16s, not a whole lot bigger than that. But there are some big stoneflies up in up in Waterton oh, Canyon. True. So, um, potentially dropping a golden stone, um, maybe a Pat's rubber leg, or, or even a small micro stone um, up into a 12 or a 14, all could wind up working well. But then as you move a little bit north, we just talked about Bear Creek and Clear Creek, and that's going to all be 14s and 16s on dry droppers. Now, where... so. Waterton Canyon is pretty easy because it's got the path that yes. goes all along the river. That's You can fish it anywhere you want. Yep. Bear Creek, are there certain sections that are public, certain sections you have to be a little careful of? There are, but they've done a really good job at marking what that is up there. So there's good pull-offs up there, and, and there's signs where there's good access, and there's signs where there's not. And it's okay. the same kind of thing up on Clear Creek. So as you move up through Clear Creek, a lot of it's public. All of Clear Creek Canyon's public. Right. As you move up through Idaho Springs, you can fish in downtown Idaho Springs. But then once you wind up getting in between Idaho Springs and Georgetown, you start losing um, a lot of your public access in there. So it's definitely important to wind up, you know, keeping in mind that there are landowners in there that probably don't want you on your prop on their property. So, um, you know, respecting those private water signs is, is what you'd want to wind up doing, certainly. And for any of our listeners that are new to Colorado, certainly you can float any of the rivers. That's public. But yep. you can't put your feet or anything else on the bottom of the river nope. if it's private. Yep, that's exactly right. And, you know, some people, you know, down at the shop have the, the misconception, you know, they've heard about Montana where you're able right. to walk up the river. Well, that's not the case in Colorado. So um, you have to... Uh, you know, definitely respect that. And if it's private, unless you're floating and not touching bottom, uh, which is not the case on any of these smaller bodies of water we're talking about right now, uh, definitely stay off. But it, yeah, because you you've just got to be careful. And and we'll get to the bigger bodies of water because you'll have sometimes you'll have private on one side yeah. of the river and sometimes public on the other. And that dividing line is the middle of the river. And so you've got to remember that. And yeah, if you're coming from a different state, I came from Wisconsin. Yep. S similar to Montana, as long as you're in. Basically, the plane of the water, high high water mark below it. You're good. You're good. Not um, here. Not here. Yep. Yeah, you got to remember that. Well, and you know something that's really cool about this state, though, is is all the public access. Right. You know, we're mentioning these smaller streams that are closer to, to town here, but you know, if you have a little bit longer or a little bit more time that you have to, to get out there and fish, pulling out a, a you know a national forest map, you have so many little small streams in the national forest, and then you can get up and don't have to worry about any of the right. private land at all once you're in, encompassed in that uh, that's right. forest. That's right. So we talked about Clear Creek. Anything north? Going up towards uh, Boulder and South Boulder Creek is a great, great way to go fish. So if any, if, if any of our listeners are up uh, towards the Louisville area or even near Golden, that's a great place to just shoot on up right there, and you can get right below the dam. Uh, there's a nice section called Walker Ranch in there, and it definitely gets utilized a lot, kind of like Bear Creek Canyon. But there's a lot of other recreators, so you have a lot of people hiking and walking their dogs and biking and all of that kind of good stuff. But it's a, a smaller stream once again. It is a tailwater below gross reservoir up there but you're going to be still seeing the same type of fishery as you're going to be seeing on clear creek and bear creek so small dries droppers down below a little bit of nymphing in some of the bigger holes and you can have a lot of success right and same thing with the setup so probably a four or five weight 
Yeah, um, exactly. That would work perfect. Right. So, a little bit longer reach, a little bit better if you switch to a nymph rig yep. or you run a streamer. And, you know, all these these fisheries right here, you know, Bear Creek's probably the tightest out of all of them. But when you get up to South Boulder Creek or Clear Creek, you have the ability to wind up making a little bit longer cast. Or, you know, the rivers are large enough that you might need to reach over to the other side on a high stick on a, on a presentation. And that's something that I really see when I'm out guiding a lot that... You know, if you talk about mistakes people make, trying to cast too far is one of them. Uh, you know, a lot of times you don't. All you have to do is make it a little ten or fifteen foot cast, but making that that presentation, and then raising your rod out of the water and lifting all the line out except for the fly, and just letting that fly dead drift there um, is is the way you have to go. I mean, these fish know what their food looks like coming down the river, so making sure you're presenting it in that fashion will definitely make you more successful. So that's a great segue because we're going to talk a little bit about when we come back from the break about technique because we've talked about sort of where to go and what they're feeding on. But let's next talk about you don't have to be a rock star caster no. in these environments right now to get fish. And quite frankly, most people are probably not recognizing that the fish are along the bank that you're walking. Exactly. And we'll talk about that when we come back. So Perfect. you're listening to Sportsman of Colorado. We'll be right back. Services the firearm enthusiast. From precision ARs to suppressors, Phoenix Weaponry can make your dreams come true. Phoenix Weaponry is a full-service gun shop that offers gunsmithing, coating, and modifications to your own weapon. Phoenix Weaponry, family-owned and operated right here in Colorado. If you can dream it, Phoenix Weaponry can build it. Call today, 720-340-2496. Again, that's 720-340-2496. Or visit their website, phoenixweaponry.com. Mention Sportsman of Colorado and receive 10% off your custom-built weapon. This is Scott Watley for my friends at Rampart Firearms in Sedalia. This is a great store, family owned and operated. They buy, sell, trade, and consign firearms. You will find a great selection of new and pre-owned handguns, shotguns, and rifles. If you can't find the gun you want, Rampart Firearms will special order your gun at no extra cost. Found a gun on the internet? Rampart Firearms will do one firearm transfer and the background check for only $10 if you mention Sportsman of Colorado. Rampart Firearms, 720-468-0050. That's 720-468-0050. Located at Highway 67 in Santa Fe in Sedalia. Rampart Firearms opens seven days a week. 720-468-0050. Well, we did it now. Hi, Dan Johnson from Lynn Lyle Chevrolet. And we received a special allocation of over 600 new Chevrolets and we're out of room. So to relieve our problem, check these deals out. A 2017 Silverado Crew Cab 4x4 for up to $11,000 off MSRP. Or lease a 2017 Chevy Cruze for only $199 a month, sign and drive. Or a 2017 Chevrolet Equinox for up to $6,000 off MSRP. Go east and pay the lease. Lynn Lyle Chevrolet, I-225 in East Colfax or on the web at lynnlylechevy.com. Chevy, find new roads a safe space for those who like to think rush to reason weekdays from three to seven on klz 560 welcome back to sportsman of colorado my name is kevin flesh i'm your host this week in studio with me is austin parr from discount tackle we've covered high mountain lakes and small rivers now we're going to talk about some techniques relating to those situations and really all of the techniques especially fly fishing, but also gear fishing. Sure. Um, so what I find a lot of times, in, in the high mountain lakes, we've kind of talked about the fact that you can't, you, you want to be stealthy, yes. right? When you're, when you're fishing those sorts of environments. And you want to be looking more than you want to be casting. Yes. 
Um, and then uh, the rivers, though, let's talk a little bit about the rivers and how you, uh, how you approach a, a small stream and what you do and how it maybe interacts with your same sort of setup for a larger larger river. So most importantly, as we kind of mentioned in the last segment right there, short casts, particularly for someone that's not as experienced as others, is absolutely vital. So we do a lot of fly fishing guiding out of the shop, and I see people with that conventional mentality where they're like, okay, I have to cast as far as I can <laughs> because all those fish are out in the middle of the lake. Well, that's not the case on a lake, and it's not the case in the river as, as right. much either. So physically trying to break down the river is what you're going to want. So as you as you move up your your stream, trout, they don't want to sit out in that main fast current. They want to be behind little pockets. They want to be in a deep hole. They want to be on the edge of a seam. And sometimes they can be sitting anywhere from six inches to six feet deep, just depending upon the situation on your river. Yep. But as you move up your stream, just as long as you're staying behind those fish. So I'm always fishing upstream when I'm fishing with uh, fly fishing tackles. So as, as you move up, I'm just going to be picking apart these these casts. And a lot of times on the smaller streams, I'm barely casting any further than my leader outside of my rod. I mean, every once in a while, you'll extend out a, a 20 or a 30-foot cast, but that just depends upon the, the hole. So I'm going to be picking apart these spots. And like we mentioned before, that high-sticking application is going to be crucial. So I'm going to cast out. I'm going to try and lay it down softly. But then easily, you're going to wind up lifting your rod tip up really high and pulling all your leader out of the water so there's not what you call drag. So any kind of little wake that that fly is creating is going to make it so those fish are not going to eat it. The other thing that's really important, I think, too, because I've seen this happen, is sometimes the fish will want a, let's say, the dry fly to twitch a little bit. Sometimes they like a little activity. Sometimes they want it dead. Especially with hoppers. Right. You just kind of have to figure that out as the way it goes. The same thing with the emerger underneath. When you're talking about bringing that up in the high sticking motion, don't bring it up in a jarring sort of nope. way. Slow, bring it up just as that uh, that terrest not the terrestrial the the uh, merger would be would be doing from the bottom because remember these fish are used to having that particular insect coming up from the bottom and going to the surface. Well, yeah, and and you know you mentioned that same thing when you're going to be talking about raising your rod tip slowly. If you wind up going too fast, I see this with people all the time. Then all of a sudden their fly is out of the zone right. and it's not going anymore. And you know these fish. They all spook if you give them a bad presentation. So these short casts also allow for you to, you to pick apart these holes the best you possibly can. Because when we're on the small streams, once again, a lot of times those fish are going to hit in the first or the second cast. Yep. And if you wind up going and, and trying to make too long of a cast and spooking that fish, then you're out of a fish in hand right. for that day and you're in that spot. Yep, that particular hole is, hole is done. Yep. The other thing that's important, talk about, um, let's say you've got a, a hole. So on some of these small streams, you know, you may have a, a hole that's six feet in diameter. Yep. That's that's as big as it is. But there may be two or three real nice fish in there. Exactly. And they may be in different parts of the hole. So talk about how you fish that hole to maximize your opportunity with those fish. So I'm always going to be making the shortest cast that I can first. So then you're not spooking any of the fish that are then therefore out further out in the river. So whether you're in a big river or you're in a small river, I'm going to break it down a lot of the same. So if there's a nice seam on the, the front part of the hole, and, and that's really what you're looking for are those seams. So you know, you're, you're looking for that slower water and those fish are going to sit right on the edges of it so i'm going to work my first spot first and whether it be with a dry fly or in a dropper or or a nymph rig i'm going to do the same thing so i'm going to nymph through i'm going to wind up dead drifting that give it six seven eight ten casts on a big river on a small river a lot of times i'm going to right. only do two or three yep. but then you're going to slide out to the next section of the hole and then do the same exact thing and then slide out to the final section of the hole and doing that really winds up allowing you to um, really pick apart those those fish. And, you know, sometimes what I'll do as well is in the middle of the hole, a lot of times I'll carry two fly rods, but you can do it with one, but fish it with a dry and dropper at first, slide on over to the nymph rig and dredge the bottom uh, right. secondarily. Absolutely. Because sometimes you've you got to figure out 
especially during different times of the day, where those fish are stationed for picking up the, the food that they're looking for. And you really can pattern fish, and that's something that I don't think people fly doing, if they're not fly fishing, they're not doing it enough. Right. So I see it all the time where, you know, you'll find your bigger fish sitting in a specific zone, and you come up to the next spot, and you're like, I feel like that spot is just like this spot we caught a good one out of before, and what do you know, there's a nice one right in there. And and people do it conventionally a lot, and, you know, still not enough as they should, but right. fly fishing, I think that, that they really don't pay attention to that as enough as they should. It is very interesting because as a good segue to the larger rivers, that's where you start seeing, because the, the, I find that the larger rivers are nothing more than the small streams, but in segments. And yep. the, the, there's different parts of even a 50-yard segment of a river. You can take that apart and then fish it similarly to a small stream. Exactly. And, um, and you've, you begin to see throughout the day, all right, maybe early morning, you know, right now we've got a cold front coming yes. through. They're going to be stationed probably in a little bit deeper water to begin with. Yep. As the, as the bugs warm up and the water warms up, they're going to be moving into shallower and shallower And getting water more active. And getting more active. Well, and that's something really to, to, to mention there as well is that, you know, when you're talking about a bigger section of water, a lot of people skip that small pocket water because it seems difficult to fish. But if you go in there with your dry dropper rig, once again, maybe talking about two rods, I'm going to walk up a whole section that's really fast water, but there's nice pockets all yeah. the way through. You might stick seven or eight or ten fish out of those holes because those fish are the least pressured fish in the river. The people that are... If, you know, wanting to, to, to catch those bigger fish, they think, okay, I've got to be on, on these big, deep holes, and that's not always not always the case. So certainly fishing those big, deep holes, but then taking advantage of those smaller pocket water areas where you have faster water, but yet still current seams, that's a, another good way to break it down. And like you said, people have, you, you've got to be aware, when you catch a fish, you have to sort of put it away in your mind, all right, yep. that fish was in this particular situation, and then start keying, see if maybe there are more fish in that exact same spot. Uh, and play around that throughout the day because they do move throughout the day. They do, and certain fish become active in, in certain columns of the water in certain areas. Maybe you have a little light hatch come off in an area, and all of a sudden all these fish get very active, and maybe then they shut down. Right, so, right. And we see that gear fishing a lot, too. You know, you mentioned fishing, you know, the bigger water with, with conventional gear, throwing uh, big jigs in the river, yep. you know, even just straight tail soft plastic minnows work really good. But you can wind up catching these fish when there's not a hatch and all of a sudden your bite completely dies and you have a nice hatch coming off and those fish are then getting out of the king and onto the bait fish and the smaller trout and moving more towards fishing with the, uh, you know, fishing on, on the flies. So right. getting the mergers and dries coming off and nymphs floating down the river. So that's the great thing about if you're a well-rounded fisherman and you're willing to do all of these sorts mm -hmm. of things, you know, the fly, the guys who love to do fly fishing and they only want to catch fish on dry flies. That's great. Yep. If they don't want to catch fish, particular parts of the day when the fish are keying in on other things that means more fish for you and me yeah and you know <laughs> i really consider myself a fisherman you know i guide walleyes and smallmouth and i fly fish and i conventional fish for trout and i mean at the core i'm a fisherman right. so i you know outside of sitting on the bank with a bait line <laughs> i'm pretty much pretty much open to all of it so, so let's let's talk we've talked about uh the rivers. Let's talk about some of the big rivers and what's going on with them right now. Absolutely, you know, the Arkansas, the Colorado, maybe even uh, the Poudre River. If you know yep. what's going on with all of so, those. So you know, your Poudre is a little bit more of your smaller stream situation, but we've been dealing with a little bit higher flows as we have everywhere. So the dry dropper that we've been talking about is what you're going to want to be doing on a lot of the Poudre. But then having your nymph rigs available or your conventional rods available to fish some of those deeper holes. So yep. they're they're there for sure. As you move into the Colorado and the Arkansas, and even as you move down to the Eagle and Roaring Fork, all of these fisheries have, have had some extra water in the last couple of days. And although um, your cubic feet per second have not uh, risen, risen a lot, uh, there's still some off-color water coming down through, especially when you deal with the small feeder creeks coming through. So like the Platte especially has a couple of creeks that come down 
uh, towards and down below Deckers. So up in Cheeseman, it's really clear. As you move down, it's it's muddier. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. You can still catch a lot of fish in that. So when I'm in a situation such as a, a muddy water, freestone river type location, a lot of times I'm going to start off nymphing or throwing streamers. So darker patterns are what you're going to want to wind up doing. So I'm going to put maybe a lead Pat's rubber legs on, trail a big, bright San Juan worm or you know a darker nymph, like a rubber-legged yep. pheasant tail or black copper john is a great way to wind up going and kind of starting with that or throwing some of your bigger sculpin patterns. So a good black sculpt Zilla from Solitude Fly Company is a fantastic choice in a lot of those rivers. And some of those big browns and rainbows, you it's unbelievable the size of those sculpin patterns that oh, you can yeah. throw. I mean, you know, you, you go from the conventional to fly fishing side once again, and, you know, you'll catch a 10-inch trout on a big jerk bait thrown for walleyes, right. and you're, the bait's five inches long, and you go out fly fishing, and you think these streamers are so big, but these fish still just inhale them. Right. Uh, let's talk a little bit of what you were talking about in the early, earlier part of the day, or you start out with nymphing. Talk a little bit about how you determine sort of weight and how you're dealing with flows on any particular day. So if you're nymphing, a lot of times I'll start off with, uh, I'll, I'll set my whole rig up and I'll hook my bottom fly to my fly keeper up, up, up above my cork and I'll put my strike indicator right about the tip of my rod. And I'll yeah. put, you know, generally about a double B split shot on to start. So I'll okay. move up through my holes. I'll start fishing if I feel like I'm not connecting with bottom very much. And especially if I'm not connecting with fish. The first thing I'll wind up doing is adding more weight. Right. Even before I wind up changing any of my flies, a lot of times when this time of year, you know, you get your lead stone fly and, and trailing mayfly nymph, and you're in pretty good shape. Right. So adjusting your, your weight first, you want to get to a point where you're going to be getting snagged or hitting the bottom every seven or eight, maybe 10 casts, just keeping in contact because a lot of those fish are down. So right. if I really feel like I'm in contact and I'm not catching fish, I'll start lifting up some rocks, um, trying to see if, if you have certain insects in there that you might not be throwing. And depending upon the river, that can vary anywhere from PMDs to betas to caddis to leeches, all of that kind of stuff. So if, if that's not working, then sometimes what I'll do is I'll switch over to that streamer type pattern where you're going to be then, instead of trying to feed them with a small nymph, maybe eliciting a, a reaction strike a little bit more. And we do that a lot conventional fishing, where you're going to try and get them to react to that bigger streamer and eat it. But then as the, the day kind of progresses, paying attention to the hatches coming off, even if there's just tiny little hatches coming off, a lot of times that can really trigger an emerger-type bite, where you're then going to remove some of your weight, maybe even do what's called swinging the fly, where you're going to have your nymph rig down through the hole, coming tight as it's really close to you and then letting that fly actually swing and rise all the way to the surface down below you. And that can can work really well, particularly in a caddis hatch. Right. Especially this, that swing is so important again. Same Sometimes. Thing. It really is. If you're dealing with a hatch, swinging that fly can be a good good way to go. All right. So let's, uh, let's take our last break for the afternoon. Uh, when we come back, let's talk a little bit about the Metro Lakes, what's going on there, what, you, what you're seeing at the shop from folks coming in and also your guiding. And you're listening to Sportsman of Colorado. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Scott Watley. Let me tell you what I love about Stack Optical. They are truly one of the last optician-owned, family-owned optical stores. At Stack Optical, you can be confident you'll receive personal attention. For over 50 years, Alan Stack has shown he really cares about making his customers happy. Stack Optical also has a beautiful new location at 2233 South Monaco Parkway in Denver. Free and easy, up-close parking. Stack Optical has an on-site eyeglass production lab. Whether you need office eyewear or a new set of shooting or golf glasses, Stack Optical has the solution with the Stack Sport Pack. Give them a call today and ask for their $69 eye exam, 303-321-1578. That's 303-321-1578. Your eyes and vision are one of the most important things in life. I'm confident at Stack Optical. 
you'll see the difference. That's 303-321-1578, stackoptical.com. If you have just been in an accident, there is a lot going on. With the screeching tires, crunching metal, and breaking glass, it's hard to remember what to do. That's why Kevin Flesh of Fleshlaw wants you to remember to panic. No, he doesn't mean run around screaming or start hyperventilating. He means use the acronym P. A-N-I-C to remember what to do. P is for police. Call the police immediately. It's very important to have an official record of what happened. A is assess, as in assess all of your injuries and seek medical care if necessary. N is for never admit fault. It's your job to take care of yourself, not to determine who is at fault. I is for insurance. Take pictures of the other person's insurance and ID info and get pictures of the accident if you can. And finally, C is for call Kevin Flesh. Kevin Flesh is more than just a name used to intimidate the insurance companies. He will help you. If you've been injured in an accident, call Flesh Law at 303-806-8886 for a free consultation, and he'll help you get the compensation that you deserve. If you're looking for great deals on outdoor equipment and clothing, we've got you covered. Hi, this is Bill Paddock, owner of the Outdoorsman's Attic, your outdoor gear consignment headquarters. You'll save 20, 30, 40, even 50% on previously owned outdoor gear for the fisherman, hunter, and camper. We also sell live bait, firearms, and ammo. If you're doing a little spring cleaning, bring in your gear to the Outdoorsman's Attic. We'll sell it for you and put cash in your pocket. You can also pick up your hunting and fishing licenses right here at the store. Your one-stop shop for all your outdoor gear needs is the Outdoorsman's Attic, located at 2650 West Hampton Avenue in Sheridan, Colorado. 303-781-3626. That's 303-781-3626. Or visit us online at outdoorsmansattic.com. Mention Sportsman's of Colorado and receive 20% off all your outdoor clothing. Hi, Dan Johnson with Lynn Lyle Chevrolet. And right now we're selling all 2017 Chevrolets at employee supplier pricing, plus all the rebates, for a total of up to $11,000 off on some vehicles. And we need your trade-ins, and we'll pay the highest prices anywhere, whether you owe money on it or not. Give us a chance. You won't be sorry. I guarantee you that nobody can sell you a Chevrolet for less than Lynn Lyle Chevrolet. Go east and pay the lease. Lynn Lyle Chevrolet, I-225 in East Colfax, or on the web at lynnlylechevy.com. Chevy, find new roads. Rush to Reason with John Rush, weekdays from 3 to 7 on KLZ 560. Welcome back to Sportsman of Colorado. My name is Kevin Flesh. I'm your host for today. We've been talking about fishing. I did want to mention before we got back to uh, the final segment relating to the metro area lakes and what's going on there that uh, outdoor, Outdoorsman Days, uh, another sponsor of ours, the Colorado Predators, Excuse me. I really screwed that up. <laughs> Let's try this again. The Colorado Trappers and Predator Hunters Convention and Rendezvous is uh, August 25th, 26th, 27th. It's a three-day event. Um, you can get tickets by calling Dan Gates at 719-275-4077. You can also go to coloradotrapper.com. Um, this is just a fantastic event for the whole family. Uh, this year it's presented by Cabela's. They've got all kinds of stuff going on. From Friday night with the open shotgun shoot to the Trapper's Obstacle Course Contest to all kinds of big barbecues Saturday night and uh, plenty of seminars and other things. So if you're into the outdoors, uh, go to coloradotrapper.com, take a look at it, and uh, buy your tickets there, and uh, go up and have a good time coming up here towards the end of August. All right, so let's talk about the Metro Lakes and what's going on. 
uh, both Chatfield, Cherry Creek, and what are you seeing uh, with walleyes and other uh, warm water species? Well, the bite really has been good. And, you know, this time of year, historically, you're starting to see a lot of your gizzard shad move out over open water. They're getting to be about an inch and a half, two inches from their spawn in the springtime. And a lot of times that makes the, the fishing a little bit tough. Certainly at Cherry Creek, we're seeing a lot of shad out there. But Chatfield, we're really not seeing the shad out there really? right now. Um, but we'll start at Cherry Creek. Um, there's still some fish that are on structure and garnering a reaction strike is what you have to wind up doing. So these yeah. fish are very well fed. There is literally shad on your screen, on your sonar, the entire time almost when you're fishing out there. This spring, I saw a ball of shad at Cherry Creek that I have never seen. I mean, it must have been as big as my boat. Yeah. And just dark black. They're everywhere. It was I mean, crazy. And and they're on your screen. It just looks all thin and wispy out right. there on your on your graph. And you're like, what is that? Well, it's all tiny bait fish. Yeah. And those fish have a lot to eat out there. But when they're on structure, trying to get a reaction bite is going to be critical. So that means glide baits like moonshine shiver minnows oh, and jigging okay. wraps, maybe a blade bait here or there, but definitely trying to, to, to get a good snap jig to get those fish to snap up and eat something. And smaller size or does it matter? I mean, you matching the hatch a little bit or is it just a reaction? It, it's a lot of a reaction see. bite, okay. but the size seven and when you're talking about a Rapala product, that means seven centimeters. Okay. So that is going to be um, the size that you really want to be doing. And, you know, we've been doing better with some of the brighter colors out there, trying to just separate yourself a little bit from some of those those silver gizzard shads. So pinks and chartreuses and stuff like that have been really good. But early morning, we're getting that reaction bite to go. And then as you move out um, and, and get a little bit later in the day, those fish are moving off of that structure and suspending. So that's when you have to do dial in your trolling application. Yep. So uh, planer boards and lead core, um, crankbaits like a Salmo Hornet or a Shad Wrap or a Flicker Shad, all of the above have been good, but in the smaller sizes fours and fives have been definitely good and any particular so are you looking for bait at a particular depth range and then trying to get underneath that bait or what are you doing it's pretty brutal i mean they're almost floor to ceiling bait in that <laughs> lake when you get out into the middle but i mean we've been having a lot of good success running our baits about 100 feet behind a planer board and about 75 feet back on lead trolling somewhere between 1.7 and 2 miles an hour okay. and just cycling through your baits finding something and each day it patterns a little bit differently and you know I, I do it and I recommend people doing it but taking notes when you're out trolling um, okay this board's back you know it's at 115 this one's at 100 this has this lure this one has that and you get bit on it and all of a sudden you get a notes going and you get a pattern and then you put everything the exact same and you wind up crushing them so right. that's a good way to go okay but then Chatfield, we're starting to see a little bit of the same thing out there. We're seeing some bait fish, but there is a lot of fish that are still keyed in on structure. So we were out on it yesterday. Uh, we were catching fish anywhere from, from 8 to 12 feet of water, and they were piled up. So the biggest key, though, was locating them. We'd get on them, and the same reaction bites were working really well. The jigging wraps were working good. Blade baits were working well. We even caught a few fish on plastics. But... Once again, the, the key was, as usual, presenting to the fish. So we're going through, we're finding fish. And even if it was just two or three fish, I would uh, mark them. We'd throw the boat in neutral, and we were casting at those fish with that reaction bite. And when you do that, you can get, you know, a lot of times when they're on, two out of three fish that you mark to, right. to, to bite. So you mark fish, you cast to them, and you're not even dropping your trolling motor sometimes. And you stick a couple fish and then get back on that outboard and start idling around again. So once again, much like what we were talking about before, it's looking for the fish, but the, now you're using your electronics. Yes, electronics are critical. And, you know, some people might not be, you know, they, not, they might be listening in and say, well, I don't have a boat. What do I do then? Right. Well, it's still about locating the fish. So you're still on structure. And whether or not you're fishing a small lake or a big lake, trying to find some sort of structure point that these fish want to sit on is, is vital. So whether it be a drop-off, 
whether it be a big flat adjacent to that drop off, maybe a weed edge, or maybe even you know a transitional bottom composition change. So you're going to be talking about a heavy chunk rock of a dam going to mud or gravel, and those fish are all going to be piling in on those locations, and and it's all critical to be locating the fish or locating the area they should be, and right. then fishing to them. And that's really spending time. If you do have a boat, you do have electronics. Spending time with those electronics and really understanding what that device is telling you. It's critical. I mean, the combination of my trolling motor and my Lowrance electronics catch more fish than the rods itself. I swear sometimes. I mean, you could you could have the nicest rods that you completely nicest rods you want. Right. And if you're not casting to fish, it you're not going to be fishing. catching. Yeah, you're just fishing. You're not doing any catching. So <laughs> So uh, out on Chatfield, you're talking about structure. So what sort of structure are you seeing them on? I mean, are, are you talking about riprap at the dam, or are you talking other places in the lake that you need to look for? So yesterday, they were all up on top of some sort of a rise. There's a lot of good rises. You know, the roadbed is is what everyone tends to think of out at, out at Chatfield, but yep. there, even as you move towards a swim beach in the middle of the lake, there's a lot of humps that, that push all the way up in as shallow as six or eight feet of water right there, and then over towards the east side of the lake, out in front of the marina, actually, uh, to the north of the marina there, there's a big line of humps over there. And some of the spots, I kind of define them as spot-on-spot spot locations. So you might have a whole rise that there are some fish on, but then you get a one extra one-foot rise that all those fish just stack, stack up, up on. And you can find maybe a few fish on that that main hump, but if you can find that spot-on-spot, spot, you can go from catching 10 or 15 fish in a day to putting 60 or 70 in your boat. So even yesterday, I mean, it was in the mid to high 80s. Yes, and we did an afternoon evening trip. So we 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 launched the boat, we fished from like 1 until 6 in the hottest part of the day with jet skis and boats running all over the place trying to take advantage of the nice weather before all the school our kids go back to school and we were smoking them. <laughs> so it was it was good. And and uh 8 to 12 feet, I would have expected them to be a little deeper at this point. A lot of times this time of year you would think that. Not at Cherry Creek, they're out and suspended yep. 10 or 12 feet down over 22 23 feet of water and at Chatfield, there's not the bait that there is right now at Cherry Creek. We lost a lot of bait fish uh, in the in the floods a couple of years back, and it doesn't seem like that bait fish population has recovered a whole lot. And a lot of those fish, you know, we, we did have one keeper that we kept yesterday, client kept it, and it had some yellow perch in the belly. Ah. So those fish are going to be keying in on that, and that really is an overlooked forage base. Everyone gets pounded into their head, shad, shad, shad in these lakes, but there's a lot of perch in these lakes too, and particularly when you're talking about jigging wrap colors and crankbait colors for that matter perch type patterns are a good way to to wind up going and you know we're just taking advantage of those fish that are still on structure and you know whenever you can that's certainly where you want to start because the the fish that are that are just sort of hanging out with the gizzard shad are a little bit more difficult to find they are not only to find but to get to bite i mean you're trying to resent you're, you're trying to present something that looks like a million other targets in the lake and when you do that you can match the hatch all you want but if that fish is eating all i mean the, the chance of him eating your lure is not great right but when you locate fish on structure they're all piled up a lot of times when they're on structure they're eating and when you give them a reaction bite that's snapping right in front of their nose they're going to take it. They're going to take it a lot of times. Have you had any luck with smallmouths out on uh, Chatfield lately? So we haven't been fishing for them a whole lot, but a lot of our guys down at the shop have been doing really well for them. So last night, uh, a guy that I know was out fishing the dam with a new lure called a Whopper Plopper. Uh-huh. And it's a topwater bait, and it's developed by Larry Dahlberg, who had a TV show for a decade or so. And it's a fantastic pattern, but topwater stuff along the dam face, poppers, Whopper Ploppers, spooks, all of the above can work really well. But when you're doing that, keep in mind, I like to fish two rods once again. Again, like we were talking about fly fishing, but yeah. I'll be throwing my topwater baits. Maybe a fish swirls on and it misses it. I'll crank it up real quick, pick up a tube, pitch right to that fish, and you can catch that active fish a lot of times. So incorporating plastics and topwater at the same time in the morning and evening can put you a lot of fish in hand. 
So <laughs> that's the the whopper plopper is very similar to some of the musky baits we've used. It is, it. and um, they've just downsized it, exactly, it's which is uh, makes complete sense because the smallmouth bass is a predator like they no other. They really are, and they're easy to fish too, especially if you have a right. kid going out there with you or anything like that. You don't have to worry about walking the dog on a spook or getting right. the right cadence on a popper. You just tell them to cast it and reel it, yep. cast it and reel it slow, and those fish come up and destroy them. So yesterday was it? Uh, was there at, at all any chop or anything on the water? Or was it pretty flat? What, did they say how how it was relating to that? So as far as the top water is concerned, it was just some boat wake. And when I was out there, there was a lot of boat wake. And you know, a lot of times people don't think that that uh, helps anything very well, but um, you know, it kind of creates an artificial wind, that artificial walleye chop. So that that wake really can can do good for the fishing. But uh, the, for the top water, getting out in the evening. They were doing well. That's awesome. That's awesome. So we've covered all kinds of stuff today. Hopefully, if you haven't heard the whole show, you can go to our website, Sportsman of Colorado, and listen to the uh, podcast down the road. But Austin, really appreciate you coming in. Go see Austin at Discount Tackle. And uh, you can call him anytime, 303-514-5546. You can also get him uh, via his email, walleye93 at gmail.com. And uh, appreciate it. We'll have you back in the the fall. Thanks so much, Kevin. Fishing opportunities. You listening to Sportsman of Colorado? Have a great day and a fantastic weekend. The views and opinions expressed on KLZ 560 are those of the speaker, commentators, hosts, their guests, and callers. They are not necessarily the views and opinions of Crawford Broadcasting or KLZ management, employees, associates, or advertisers. KLZ 560 is a Crawford Broadcasting God and Country station.